0: hello and welcome to anti-drug social club podcast this podcast today is hosted by cfc loud and clear foundation i'm your host kim Sicconi. every other week on mondays we will be releasing a new episode Normally, I would be interviewing someone else. We usually will have two chairs filled. However, today we're doing things a little different, and it's just going to be good old me. So, welcome. Uh, today, I am going to be telling you a little bit of how I got to CFC Loud and Clear, a little bit more about my recovery journey, um, and just my life experiences, since I haven't really had the opportunity to talk to you guys directly. So follow along. Thank you so much for being with us today. All the information for anything that we're talking about in this episode can be found in the bio of whatever platform you are utilizing to listen to this podcast today. We are officially also up on YouTube. As of last week, the editing, the process has been a complete learning curve. I have no background in technology. I did take a web design course in high school, but that's probably the most of the my uh experience i guess um and then just having social media throughout most of my life i was raised in the myspace generation so you know i had the zenga i had myspace i had all the fun throwback so much like Alyssa regan had shared in earlier episodes the two previous she is adopted as a i uh, my adoption was very different than hers Uh, My biological father's drug of choice was cocaine um, and he had struggled, I guess, in and out of sobriety. He was very abusive to my biological mom. She was with him, uh, found out she was pregnant. They had gotten an apartment together in Florida. When they were down there, my biological father had relapsed and he said to her, I do not want to be with you and I don't want a baby either. So she had to make the very hard but selfless decision to move to Wayne, New Jersey into a maternity home, which was a big thing back then. At 16 weeks old, I had had my first surgery um, where they had adhesed my lip together um, to give me the appearance of looking more standard or normal, as you would say, Um, and my parents Knew when before I was getting adopted that I had a clep lip and palette, and my mom was all about it. She actually had a friend who had a son who was adopted as well who had clep lip and palette, so she had seen his journey and knew it wasn't easy, but knew she could handle it. My mom and my dad I always say my mom because I generalize them in one, which is like horrible, honestly. But my dad is like the sweetest man on my mom, and so I just want to put that out there when I sometimes say my mom. It's my dad as well. They are a dynamic duo. My parents had adopted me prior to my birth. They had signed the adoption forms on December twenty third of nineteen ninety. I was born on January eighth. I was born with cleft lip and palate, which is a facial disorder. Um, mine was unilateral. It was on the left side, between the nasal passageway going into the lip. It was all split. And then it went straight back through the palate. So it's almost like you could see through my head, basically. Um, Which is crazy that that's a thing. Like, sometimes I forget that I went through all that. And um, really what the gravity of that meant, because it was just so standard and normal uh, for me in my life. Like, I spent my childhood in hospitals. Um, I just remember in and out, post-op and pre-op. And it's serious. You have to go for blood work quite often, um, and because mine was uh, facial reconstructive, I was going to orthodontic appointments once a month, maybe more. I was constantly getting those um, impressions in your mouth where they would put the like putty type material, Um, and I would do that both at my orthodontist as well as NYU Medical Center at the facial reconstructive unit, uh, which that team is freaking phenomenal. So I spent most of my time talking to doctors and nurses and my parents i just struggled with the surgeries that was the main thing and like trying to integrate and make friends when you are different um luckily when i was little i didn't have an experience that i felt like an outsider my first best friends uh were these two brothers they lived up the block and they would ring on my bell every day and we would play like ding dong ditch i made a best friend like right she was like two doors down um and we had a little group of four of us that would always hang out. And in my perception, um, seventh grade was probably the pivotal point in my life where all the friends I had made, especially my female friends, because unfortunately, like, my boy best friends had moved. And that was, like, probably my first loss. So seventh grade hit. And all my girlfriends that I grew up with, the group of us, kind of just turned on me um it was like gradual uh I don't really I can't remember an exact point I remember like one dramatic event between myself and my like best friend that lived two houses down um and I it was really a misunderstanding but um I everyone else I don't know what exactly happened I think my one closest best friend as I was growing up uh was more of an opportunist and I think that I didn't look like everyone else so it wasn't cool to be my friend what are they going to think about them that they're hanging out with someone that's like I hate to say it like this but this is how people have worded it which is horrible like deformed and the best way I could describe the experience of being that kid who everyone looked at and like I've been told I look like I have down syndrome I um scar face like there's just so many things that people have said about my appearance especially at that time like if there was a most insecure time in the world for me it was then um that you'll never find pictures of me up online with that look um and I need to get to a point where I'm okay with it, but I'm not. Um, after um, seventh grade, I had tried to reintegrate again, make new friends in a not new place. Um, I did make some really awesome friends. Now, a lot of us did depart departures after high school. Again, it was like gradual. It wasn't any bad blood. In ninth grade, I had met my current. Best friend. She has been my best friend since ninth grade, uh, and now I'm 32. But yeah, the best way I could explain the experience of going from the kid that people would say all these horrible things about to having all my surgeries finally done and being normal, normal, quote unquote. You know, um, you know when people are overweight and. They lose a lot of weight, where you just like don't look at yourself and see yourself how you are. Um, that's how it felt. It was like all of a sudden I'm getting all this like really different attention after the surgeries were done, um, and I didn't know what to do with it. I I remember feeling like an identity crisis. Um, and just trying to figure out how to navigate, but um, I never had gotten attention, especially from, like, boys, like, I was uh, very innocent, like, didn't even kiss a boy till 16, and everything else way later, like, years later, and even then, people were mean, like, uh, the first boy I kissed, I remember this kid started a rumor that the kid was blind, like, (laughs) it's just insane people were horrible um so that was my experience like throughout high school um and then after high school I had gotten all my surgeries and people switched up like all of a sudden people are like oh my god I didn't like you in high school but you're so cool now like I know for sure none of these people have ever had genuine interactions with me because I didn't change um there's some people that will say they felt I did but I think that If you weren't in my shoes, I don't know, we're supposed to change. I don't know if you guys remember earlier in this that I had stated that my biological father's drug of choice was cocaine. Um, But around the age of 26, 27, I had been introduced to cocaine by a friend. Um, I didn't remember taking it, I believe it was like 4th of July. and then the next day, I, I was really proud of the fact that I never did cocaine previous. I would always talk about it. Um, and I remember I was telling someone, I was like, oh, no, I don't do that. I've never done that before. Um, and my friend goes, I don't know why you keep saying that. You just did it like two nights ago. Um, so after that, I was like, I guess curiosity got to me. Like, I didn't remember taking it. I didn't die. So i was like okay like now i guess i'll just figure out what the heck this is because i didn't i didn't die and become an addict it didn't you know like everything that i thought would happen that i was so scared of like it's like my fears were answered but in the worst way possible um so after that every time i went out and drank that's what we were doing um Especially like you go down Jersey Shore areas, it's like very prevalent, it's very normal. And my family had moved from Old Bridge to Manalpin, as I said in the previous episode. Um, and a lot of people in Manalpin were doing it. living my best life. I would still at this point say at that point it probably was not manageable, but um at that point it wasn't noticeable. Uh, I did lose a job around that time and at that point I was already experimenting with other stuff too but I was mostly going out and like partying I remember my old boss even saying to me like Kim what are you celebrating like why don't you party when you're celebrating something like wait for something like when you made it like did you make it yet and um, that like sticks with me till today like i'll still think about that and like when i'm like purchasing clothes or thinking about getting an overly expensive car that i can't afford i'm like what are you celebrating did you make it like is this just loose change in your pocket and then if not i'm like all right so get the hoopsie and live your best life girl because like you gotta save so in october of that year i had met my ex-boyfriend um and I remember the first first time I met him, I wasn't initially attracted to him. And then as I spoke to him, I just like started realizing we had so much in common. This is like what I felt. I felt like we had so much in common. Like I've never felt like that fire with someone before. Like I felt just so connected with him and um it was surreal and I just like wanted to be around him all the time. Like it was insane. Um so I had met him we eventually start hanging out like every day and actually initially the reason i had gotten his number is because he had seen a drawing i did of this like jellyfish with flowers on it and he was like oh like can i commission you to get that tattooed and i was like oh no like don't pay me for it that's like insane that you want to get something i drew tattooed. that's so cool like what a compliment so i'm like no like just get the tattoo so then um i said if you want me to make changes you know hit me up so he had taken my number and um i had later hung out with him and i was supposed to just like be working on the art but we decided to go out instead and it was an amazing night we started hanging out every single day for like weeks straight um oh there was one night we're out and he's like i really have to tell you something and i'm like oh god like what is about to happen because this has been like so perfect now leading up until this point point. and um he tells me that he was in a five-year relationship um he was about to break up with her um and that he really cared for me but he didn't want me to find out the wrong way and he never expected to like get feelings for me and blah blah, blah. but like he i think he even said like i love you and i was like freaked out apparently um He had had some women over with his best friend. Um, and one of the girls had posted an Instagram story, um, in his apartment. And I guess his, it was literally the same night. It was insane. Um, so I guess his ex had seen it. His ex used to be like a bartender at the Jersey Shore, so she knew a lot of people. Um, and she would always i guess see the multiple things that he had done to her and he he really was freaking hard horrible to her um so she had seen a girl at his place that night and she just was like i'm done um obviously i didn't know that side of it for a while uh but he had taken me out to cheesecake factory the next day and he was like i just want to let you know that me and my ex had broken up um and i really care about you and i'm so happy i met you so we just like well i fall in love um and for the next two months like it was october november december yeah that was like the good time it was october november december was all good and then the end of december early january it started getting crazy three months um in that time i think tried xanax at that point um xanax and alcohol mixed uh and i think that was it up until that point um and then in january in my birthday uh my ex and i had Well, actually, I think I wanted to go out for my birthday weekend. We were going out all the time. Like, why wouldn't we go out for me, like, for once, you know? Um, So I was like, oh, my God, like, we'll get all our friends together. Let's go out. This is going to be so fun. Uh, We decided to go to Barcode in Elizabeth. And I don't know if you all know, but they have, like, those flower carts. And, like, sometimes there's, like, stuffed animals. Um, So at one point, I had seen my ex looking like kind of upset um and and then I was like listen like if you're not having a good time I will gladly leave like let's go and he's like yeah I want to go and I'm like okay let's go so we start walking out a barcode he buys me the flowers with the stuffed animal on the way out we get into the car and I'm like oh my god that was so sweet I was so happy and I remember driving and he was really quiet and I could like feel the space was like hot, like it just didn't feel right. And I said to him like, is something wrong? Like, I don't even know if I said like, is something wrong or like, why do you have an attitude? But it was like along those lines, it wasn't super abrasive and I'm driving like this. And um, all of a sudden the back of my head was snacked and my face had hit the steering um wheel and i was on the garden state parkway at this time and my initial reaction was just like rage like i have never been assaulted like that in my life while i'm driving and like driving to like even get you home safe you would put your hands on me in this space um or in general like it was just so groundbreaking and um I, I remember going nuts, like, just feeling rage, um, and I start driving crazy to, like, scare him, like, I wanted him to be scared, like, and I remember saying, you don't give an F about mine, F about yours either, and I'm driving and swerving, and, like, and then finally he's, like, screaming, please slow down, please, so I do, and I return to normal, and, I don't know why I walked into his apartment after that like I guess I thought things settled or maybe he realized Um, and I get in there and it was a brawl honestly it's the best way to describe it and I have never fought a man before but I tried Um, and I had no visible markings on my physical face But in my head, I had golf balls everywhere the next day. And my arms had full handprints on them. um, And I was sore. I had a headache. Uh, Yeah. So I remember the next morning, actually that night after that all, luckily his front door was broken. So his friends would just like kind of break in all the time. So his group of friends walk in to continue partying, and uh, I locked myself in the bathroom and just cried. Um, I remember bringing it to people's attention, um, and I don't know why. I just feel like no one really cared, or they thought I was stupid for being with him. So, you know, I guess, like, what can you do if I didn't plan on leaving him? But that was, like, kind of the response I got like I never felt like anyone in that group thought it was wrong um so after that the next morning um I wake up super early and I don't remember what the heck was going on but we had some type of family event um so I wake up super early and I disappeared to the family event and I didn't text him and I remember it was like almost three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm like wow what a jerk like he literally assaulted me last night I know he was drunk so I'm waiting for the like I was so drunk I don't remember what happened or something so around three o'clock I get a phone call and um he was like hey I'm like hi (laughs) and he's like what the hell happened last night To be like like argue and i'm like argue like you hit me and um i explained everything to him and he was like oh my god i'm so sorry I took xanax last night before we started drinking and like i do believe it to be true that when you mix xanax and alcohol that uh you black out but um i don't know i don't know if that's an excuse you know um So then things had gotten worse. I think there were like spaces of time between where things would seem perfect. Because he would like love bomb me again. Um, He was just spectacular. Then I found out that I was pregnant. Um, I think it was actually on my birthday I found out I was pregnant. Because it was a week after we had went out for my birthday. And um, I had um i remember i peed on pregnancy test and i was sitting in the bathroom with him on the phone and i saw the second line and i started crying i was just in shock i the thing i wanted the most my entire life was to be a mom and uh i loved this man so much and I wish that like the good parts of him were real, you know, um, because I still to this day, I'm so sad about the way things happen. But um, so I had found out I was pregnant. Um, his response was very good, actually, because I've heard horrible responses. And you would think from someone that is abusive that they would have a terrible response but actually his response was quite the opposite um he had told me what do you want to do and I was like I really don't know I know that if I keep the baby my parents would probably support me and help me um but it's your life too and I don't know like even if we don't work out like would we be able to co-parent well together um and like have mutual respect if nothing else like and then the other part of me was like thinking about my life and where I was at and where we were at and he had just hit me the week before and I'm like I was so torn so he's like listen all right let's like we'll maybe keep the baby we'll make an appointment um let's go talk to my mom And like I said, his mom was a doctor. So we had told his mom and her reaction was obviously shocked. Um, And then she started suggesting plans. um, One of them being, well, me and my girlfriend would like a baby. We've been talking about it. Like we can take the baby and then you guys could come see the baby whenever you want. And I'm like looking at her, like, what? Like, I don't even know if I want, maybe, ba- like, you're, like, talking about taking my baby from me? She's like, I just want to let you know I don't believe in abortions, like, which, like, I totally respect people's opinions for their life and their body, um, and I do think that you have the right to voice that, especially when it directly affects you, um, but I, I didn't know where I was at. And, um, I just felt like the response was weird. So on the way home, I remember my ex looks at me and we're driving and he goes, um, I don't know why we just told her. Cause like, you're going to have an abortion. And I just was silent the rest of the ride home. Actually, he was in a rush to leave because he wanted to do some type of insurance fraud cause he had crashed his car a little bit the night before and obviously he didn't want to get a DUI, but he didn't want to pay for it so he like purposely like dragged it on like a guardrail over there and then pulled into it, it was crazy um so this was the life i was living so um after that uh i the following weekend comes we were hanging out every day again as normal um still just talking about things we had an appointment planned actually with Planned Parenthood just to like I guess figure out how far along I was and then if we did decide to go that route I was there already um but if not I at least had information it was like Saturday into Sunday and he had went missing so I tried to give him a call and a woman picked up the phone and she just said like hello hello and I was like who is this and I hung up um or they hung up and the phone was off. So I texted him and I was like, "Listen, I am freaking done. Uh how could you do, like I was just with you. Like, what is going on?" And uh he disappeared for like 24 hours. And then the next day the next day he made up some story about how it wasn't um him with some girl, he fell asleep in his friend's room, left his phone wherever. So the girl must have answered, You should have seen her. She wasn't even pretty. She looked like this. Her body was like this and ew, I would never and then the following weekend came and um I called him and at this point I feel like my intuition was telling me every time i wasn't with him there was someone so um i had went on snapchat that night and i think think, yeah i went on snapchat that night and on and i just got off the phone with him and on his story there is a video of a girl holding the phone and he's like trying to grab the phone from her and he's like chasing her like around this bar but it's short it's a short clip and turns off and I call him and he doesn't even know that the story's up and I'm like what the heck is going on what's on your snapchat story he's like what are you talking about Then all of a sudden again phone off like so I go back to his snap story I guess his phone died um I went back to his snap story and I watch it over and over and over and I'm trying to take in like details from this like video and I was able to find the ceiling tile match which is psychotic but i was able to find a local bar that he was at from the ceiling tiles because i started googling all the local places to him and i asked my best friend to drive straight there and i drove to his apartment just to see if his car was there but by the time my friend got to that bar she noticed that his car was actually there and was like come so i drove from his apartment to there, I parked two cars up from his car and then I hopped in my friend's car right across the way and we waited and I remember telling her like if he walks out right now by himself, I'll pretend I was never here. but if he walks out with a woman, I am freaking done and you have to remember I'm pregnant, I'm shocked um, confused abused like everything so we're sitting there for a little bit and all of a sudden I hear the door opening and I see a shadow of two guys so I'm like oh my god like there's no girl my friend goes no there is a girl and I look and he's walking out with this girl and they start passing my car and I don't know why I was so enraged. I clicked the uh the panic button on the car, and I remember it looked like he saw a ghost. And then he had walked past my car because I wasn't there, and he walked up to his car. And there was actually a truck that pulled up right at that time, of course. So I had to walk around this truck, and they're about to kiss before he's going to get into the driver's seat, and I guess she's going to walk around the car. And I just was like, you got room for three. And <laughs> obviously they were shocked. They were like, he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, who is this? And then, you know, she just comes at me crazy. Like, she's like, oh, like, who are you? Are you the crazy girl Kim that keeps calling him? And da da he doesn't want you. He doesn't want to be with you. And I'm like, I don't know what he's telling you. I remember looking at him and saying, "Listen, just give me like your half of the money for an abortion, like obviously this is not going to work out and I need to move on with my life." And um we start yelling back and forth and I walk up close to him and he takes my hair and smacks the back of my head into the truck. And I remember the girl saying like, "Oh my god, don't touch her." And then she like called me like pathetic after and I think at this point, like, because I was struck and, like, my adrenaline was rushing, me and the girl wound up um, getting into a physical altercation. Everything was fine. Um, The night ended. The clinical appointment was that Monday after that weekend. And he showed up super late to the appointment with no money. Um, He was being a jerk. He wasn't apologetic. He actually call me the b-word in front of the receptionist or i don't know if they would be called a receptionist but at planned parenthood um and i started crying and he walked out and uh the lady said listen don't you dare cry over that man we do not have a collections department you could still get this done tonight, don't worry about it, I did call back later, and, uh, my mom actually paid them back, and then I went up paying her back, but, um, thank God for that lady, like, you know, they give you little angels on earth, and, like, moments that you need them, um, and I guess he had decided to come back in to the appointment, but before he did that, I, I had shot his mom a text, and just explained, like, I decided to go through with this, um, your son has um, been cheating on me on top of, like, really bad behavior. I don't think I even told her that he was, be- like, physically assaulting me. I think I may have wrote it. And um, she wrote back to me something like, I hope in the future you learn to respect your body. Um, And that, that burned, like, honestly. That, like, really freaking burned. Um, So... I went into the appointment and my think God my best friend was there and I guess he had came in and told her that he wanted to actually try to sit in the room with me so she let him and um we were sitting there and uh he was acting normal and he's like listen if you want to do this at my house because I had taken the oral uh version he's like if you want to do this at my house um you can do it there I'll support you And I think I just didn't want to be alone. So I went. I guess at this point, this is when he first started doing Percocets. And I wasn't aware. Because I I wouldn't have thought it was, like, okay at that time. I mean, honestly, who knows anymore. But um, I wasn't down for that. I knew a lot of friends that, like, were ruining their lives because of Percocets. So um, I he started doing them. And after that whole process of the abortion, Um, I felt the lowest depth of depression and, like, less than human feeling. I can't even explain in words. Um, I was, like, on the verge of a mental breakdown, and my ex had offered... He basically told me he wanted to be with that other girl that he was cheating on me with, um, and he didn't want me to mess things up between them. So I out gracefully honestly I was just like you know what that's fine like I'm just gonna stay here through this process and then I'm done um I don't know why I thought I could be like friends with him or something but so when I was there he had given me a Percocet like during that and on top of it Planned Parenthood had prescribed Percocets so I was already like on Percocets so I was like whatever so I took an extra one after I ran out of my script. They only gave you, like, two, and I was still in pain. Um, But it was a heavier dose, I guess, because I remember I was really, like, floating. And then um, I decided after that that I was not interested in being with him um, and that I wanted to be his friend. But it was, like, a vengeful thing. I wanted to know that I was better than that girl at any cost like it was almost like I guess he like struck my ego so hard that I wanted to prove that I was the one he should choose and but I was gonna do it tactfully so I befriended him and I would just as a friend ask him details about his life like really like you're just hooking up with her like come on like I know you like there's other girls and then he'd be like yeah like I did this and this with these girls the other night and and then this happened and this happened and I started documenting and then anytime I would sleep there even if me and him did nothing I would like document something and then um, I had respectfully asked him as a friend I said if you want to be my friend out of respect for me if you're not officially dating this girl and you don't really love her can you please not keep posting her because it like really hurts my feelings and it's like a burn after like all this stuff like can you just give me a little time and he was like yeah 100% I won't um so then like on Saturdays he would hang out with this girl I would take Xanax and I would lay in on my couch so that I wouldn't panic about checking his Instagram stories and Snapchats and stay up all night like freaking out um and then um it was like five in the morning one morning and I actually had went out with a bunch of my friends I was still up um and I checked his Instagram story and there was a video of him and her I think it was like Valentine's Day actually and I freaked out um I sent her everything and at this point he did hook up with me like the week before that was like the first time since we were hanging out so i was like i just want you to know um like we did this this happened this did this 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 but enjoy i'm done officially stepping out and actually she left after that and god bless her that she did leave she has two kids um i do know her now uh At the time, I hated her. I had a lot of resentments for her, but I was able to repair, um, like, heal through it, and I feel like that also gave her an opportunity to be able to heal as well because even though she wasn't to the same extremes, she did have traumatic experiences with him as well, Um, and we're not necessarily, like, I wouldn't say friends, but I have a connection with her, and I wish well for her on after that um he actually texted me to um he then decided he wanted to get like lunch with me and i did i don't know why i did i think i felt like all of a sudden i was like a jerk for doing that um and like i felt guilty or something so i hang out with him for lunch he officially asked me to be his girlfriend and says that he will not cheat on me and that i'm the first girl he has asked out and obviously that means something and blah 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 and then So we're dating, and it was perfect, actually. Guys, I promise you, like, the abuse was done, but we started doing all sorts of drugs, and we started learning different ways to do those drugs, and then we were just getting higher and higher every single day, and I was running in and out of Newark constantly for... Supplies And it was short-lived. I would say I lost my job on September 1st. And by December 11th, it was apparent that I was in full-blown addiction to my family that had no experience seeing a person in addiction. So um, we had a fun run. I went to my dad's birthday dinner. And my mom saw me and immediately was just like, no. Um, I was super thin at this point. I had tried to go to detox on my own. I reached out to a few people that I knew went through it and asked them, like, how can I do this at home? Can I taper? Can I, like, what does this look like? Because I started to feel withdrawals. We were running out of money. I was really skinny. Um, and then I had a made from detox with him because he said well, it's the third day, and if we just do a little bit more, it'll get us out of this feeling of detox, and then we'll just not do it tomorrow, and then we just won't be addicted, so I was like, okay, so we left, and a couple days later, I saw my family for my dad's birthday, and they knew, and my mom went home, and she didn't know who to call, and the only person she could think of that had a family member in addiction was um, one of my kindergarten best friends. and uh he had passed away seven years ago so my mom had called his mom Gigi and uh Gigi told my mom to come to the farm CFC Laudanclare farm and she said that her son was best friends with Dan Dan Regan and that um he tried to help her son a couple years ago uh, like right before he had passed and um yeah, so um my mom showed up to the farm. She said something threw her out of the car. It was actually the faith-based meeting that they used to host on Sundays, and right away, someone pulled them into the office and set up an interven- intervention. And that night, by seven p.m., there was an interventionist at my and my ex's apartment who was offering both of us help. My ex completely refused. He said, "I'm fine. I just got a bunch of stuff to do it at home. I'm good." And I was so high because I knew something was up. Um, I was so high, and I was looking at how heartbroken my parents were, and I just agreed. So I went to detox with them that same day. We packed crazy clothes. I looked nuts. Um, I went to Sunrise in Tom's River, and then I followed it up with Relevance Behavioral Health in Freehold. Um, treatment was crazy. Okay, I truly believed that it was a situational thing that i was just using um drugs to get through my life at that time i just felt hopeless for a little bit that was it my ex stopped hitting me like we could be together in normal like i'm clean now um he hasn't hit me in months like it's so different now we love each other so much more and honestly he never did hit me again um but he never got clean either so eventually that ended I was actually voted no into CFC Recovery's Sober House. There was a house called Be Happy and it was a co ed house and I was voted no. I was just pissed because I felt that it was told to my parents that she's not gonna live if she goes back with this guy and then I was voted no into housing, which was like it was rough, you know what I mean? And honestly I didn't want to move in, so it was like perfect. I was like cool and honestly maybe they sensed that and that's why they voted no. I think there was a few reasons why I was voted no um so i moved back in with my ex for two weeks uh obviously i eventually relapsed and then um i came back to treatment for two more weeks and then i had moved into they overrode it for me to move into the sober living and i lived there for about 28 days i had met uh my next ex (laughs) there we weren't. Um, we were just friends when I lived there, but uh, later we went up dating. Um, so I was there for 27 days, and then I had left, moved back in with my ex, um, and then eventually um, he had asked me when I moved back this time to please warn him if I want to leave because the last time it was so shocking the way I left, he didn't expect it, and it was like really hard. So I wanted to respect that, and I I started letting him know every day I wasn't happy, but I also knew I couldn't tell him I was leaving because he would, like, emotionally, like, keep me captive. So um, I started slowly packing bags and hiding them, like, in between the closet and, like, in another closet, and I was like, I need to get the most important things into a bag because, like, if things go bad, I want to get out with these things. One day, we're all getting high, and he has two friends over and I go downstairs to grab something for his friend and I went up deciding to clean out his friend's car because you're so productive when you're high um and then when I come back upstairs he's on the couch and he doesn't look right and I notice that he's not waking up so I start freaking out I'm screaming like oh my god he's overdosed We need to do something call the cops call the EMT. call anyone like let's drive him to the hospital it's around the corner like just like pick him up let's go so eventually after i get yelled at for yelling um the two people acted concerned uh carried this guy down three flights of stairs into the car and we dropped him off at the hospital and i couldn't understand why there's people running out with masks and there's plastic all over the hospital and they're looking at me like i'm crazy for being in there um but it was covid so, um, it was a terrible time to overdose, honestly, uh, because it was really hard to get someone outside to grab this guy. And, um, so they come and they grab him and then we're home and I'm crying and I'm like, I'm just not happy anymore. And he's like, are you going to leave me? And I said, I, I don't know. I think I might. And he's like, all right, we'll talk more when I get home. I want to go visit this kid like okay so the kid was revived and he was at the hospital and my ex wanted to follow up to make sure he was okay and while he's away I start grabbing all my bags and I start piling them at the front door and I'm trying to get my ride coordinated um and all of a sudden the door opens and it's my ex and all my bags are there And he takes my phone and starts going through it. And he could see what's going on. And he's freaking out. And he's shocked. And he's crying. And then he throws my phone across the room so I can't get to it. So when people are calling to, like, come get me, I can't answer. And then he's kind of, like, barricading me towards the furthest part of the apartment. And I'm just begging him, please, just, like, please let me go. Like, I can't do this. Like, please let me go. Um and then all of a sudden, there's a loud knock at the door, and it's the cops, and they allow me to grab one bag, but they do not leave without me, um, and I left, they officially left, um, it was so hard to heal from that, <laughs> um, and I wish I could say I'm fully healed. I would have went to the edge of the earth for this person. And I just, I think the hardest part for me to leave was I kept telling myself there's no one in the world that wants to be this mean, this horrible. So he doesn't mean to do this and this isn't who he is. Like there's someone else there and and I could help him and I could change him and he's, He's going to see he loves me, and I'm going to show him that I'm worth loving. And instead, I just showed myself that I wasn't. And, um... There were times where I would rather have been dead than not be with him. And that if it wasn't for my family, I just wanted to be dead. My family allowed me to move back in during the beginning of COVID, and... Uh, Meetings were all virtual for the first couple weeks until CFC decided that the opioid epidemic is in crisis. It's just as important as COVID. And we're going to have a lot more losses if people can't get support and help and connection. Because the whole opposite of connection is addiction. So meeting sites got opened back up. Anyway, I was just in locked in with my family I would actually do zoom meetings on the bathroom floor because it was like the only place that would make it look like I wasn't laying in my bed um and like it was private so I would sit on the bathroom floor and I would put my laptop on top of the toilet seat with it down and I would do my zoom meetings in there and uh then we started going to the farm again and it was amazing and I had saw all my friends that I lived with and all the connections that I didn't think were that important, and I realized how much i like really loved all of them, and they helped me get out of a really dark place, and I started really just like I was doing it every day, I was hitting every meeting, and then uh my now um uh, uh the now next guy that I'm seeing, so that year c f c actually had done the camping trip in West Virginia, and I was not a camper, so I was really nervous and the ride down honestly was like the most fun we had insane music it was so good we're all like laughing at the rest stops it was just like very funny like it just we were so pumped and then we get on this camping trip and at the bottom of this hill there's like this like water park so um like it's it's like in a lake like a man-made lake and then when you go up on the hills there's all these different cabins and tents and um like the walk to the bathroom is like two miles away and the site looks like like what you would see like if you were to watch like a cult documentary there it's just like a round thing of like these half cabin half tents Uh, um so they had separated us there was eight different houses filled with like about three to four people and um, uh, that's actually where I connected and realized that I had feelings for my best friend that was in the program who then became my boyfriend uh, for quite some time Um, so we had dated for a little bit, and then he was sick of living in sober living. I was sick of living at my parents. We decided to move to Asbury together, and y'all know how that goes. So, um, he is a fabulous person. Um, anyone that like knows me knows like more about the details of like everything, but um, he is a fabulous person. I will wish the best for him. So, we had dated, we relapsed together, um, and then in March. On March twenty third, I began detoxing at home, and CFC had launched the IPRP program. So IPRP is the um, the intensive peer recovery program. Um, it's an alternative for IOP. I did not have health insurance. I did not have money, and I could not afford anything in New Jersey does not have anything for people in that predicament um they don't really even have much for people that are state insured um there are options but they're very rare um so i had the opportunity to move into the female house in Mar- uh, March uh 23rd i had called cfc let them know that i was in active addiction they told me if i did a detox or if i was detoxed and i moved into the house and my urine was clean that i could do the intensive peer recovery program so i decided to detox at home um so did he it was rough uh my family actually showed up um as well so they spent the time with us just to make sure that we wouldn't do anything his family lived in florida so my family was looking out for both of us we both moved into separate houses within cfc and normally like we wouldn't the whole couple thing moving into the program, but we were both previous separate clients, um, so it was kind of sticky. And I'm so grateful that they offered us both that. Um, and about six months down the line into that, the previous house manager that was house manager for like two years before, and I actually knew her for a long time, she decided that she wanted to move on. Um, she had recommended me for house manager, and I became house manager, and I did that for about 18 months, but in May of that year, um, I had kind of expressed interest in helping in some sort of way with CFC, Um, and I was offered a part-time marketing position, which was supposed to be two days a week. I was barbering 50 hours a week. I was working here two days a week. I was still meeting my requirements. And when I went home at night, I was managing a house of up to seven girls. So it was like no sleep for the the wicked. I did this for 18 months up until October. In September, or sorry, in October, I had moved in. Me and my ex had broken up. Um, he was in a really bad car accident. Um, that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, he was in a really bad car accident. And I tried to move to Florida. And I decided to come back home and live with my family. And I just, I wasn't happy. And I missed everything. And I, I missed CFC. So when I came home, I was offered on the ride home, a uh, full-time position with CFC Loud & Clear doing marketing and outreach. And I took it and i haven't cut hair since Uh, my 11 year barbering career was done in a good way in a positive way i was ready to move on and i've been marketing since i've met so many incredible people um i started running this she goals the women's empowerment meeting and that's been like a major um part and component of my recovery and there's a few people that come to that meeting that would say the same for them that's a very safe place for them and I appreciate every moment I get to spend with people in recovery, just making their day a little better in any form that I can. Um, I love my job here. There's been a lot of change. There's a lot of learning things. Like you, like I said, I, I was a barber 11 years. I have no idea how to write professional emails, how to, I did understand Excel, Um I used to be, I was MySpace Zenga. I was all those days, so, like, I totally, you know, um, I was willing to try to figure it out, and I thought I could figure it out, and I am figuring it out, and I really have started my actual healing journey, I would say, after my second year of recovery, um, I'm only a couple months into that part of it, uh, but it, I feel like The most isolation I have purposely done for myself to heal has been since my two-year mark. I am, you know, I'm not isolating in an unhealthy way. I'm isolating in a a um, self-preserving reflection, shadow work, art therapy, uh, gym. Uh, I still reach out to people all throughout that time. Um, I'm isolating in the fact that I'm not I I don't have energy to exert beyond my means um, and I'm learning set boundaries and um, it's been amazing and, and it's so funny because sometimes I'm writing in my journal at night and I'll write like I'm just so happy and like I'll feel like this like how I look and I sound right now I just feel like kind of like And I'm like, wait, is happy the word for this? And it is, it is the word for it because like internally I have a harmony with my life that has never existed. I love my boss. I love my job. I love what I do. I'm creative every day of my life. I'm learning new things. They are phenomenal people. And I am so grateful that for all the sacrifice, the dedication, everything that they, they did to allow me the opportunity To change the trajectory of my life. And I'm just going to close it out with. There is the quote. It took so much violence. To have this much peace. And. I have never related to anything. More in my life. It was so much violence. But I am so calm now. You know when I spoke about snapping off and freaking out and feeling the adrenaline and, and like hot and like all these things. I was so unhealed. I didn't know what those feelings were. I didn't know what a window of tolerance was. I didn't know what the fight or flight or the fawn or I had no idea anything about anything, emotional maturity. I had no idea about it. And, um, I've learned and I've evolved and, there are a lot of people that test my patience and just in life and I have a lot of peace. There is not much that will make me mad and there's not many people that will tell you that they have seen me angry. I'd say 90% of the time I'm genuinely happy so that's a pretty good over under if you ask me and with that I just want to thank you guys so much for tuning in today for listening to my story for having patience. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, CFC. God bless.